0: Hello and welcome to The Intentional Soul, the home for the highly functioning spiritual types out in the world. It is here that we look at the world and ourselves through the lens of higher consciousness, connecting deeply to who and what we really are. Now, my name is Tom Ross, spiritual teacher, healer, spiritual nonconformist, and I am your host for these conversations. On The Intentional Soul, we hear not only from me, but from people who are living intentionally, openly and authentically in their world we'll hear their stories of personal transformation while sharing best practices and tactics to help you get the most out of this game called life now nothing is off limits as we seek to expand ourselves and our awareness and live ultimately our most authentic lives let's dive in all right, welcome, Miss Amanda Haro, life coach for moms teaching women the tools to liberate themselves off the back burner through a company, f it, Mothering. <laughs> uh, on, top of work, on top of working with clients, uh, Amanda also produces a podcast where moms get mind-blowing truth bombs, inspiration, and encouragement. She's a single mom to four girls, lives in sunny Wisconsin, and spends her free time reading going on walks with her dog, Chewbacca, and laughing way too loud.
1: Yes. My children tell me all the time, I laugh way too
0: loud. There's nothing wrong with being boisterous. They're going to appreciate that at some point.
1: Thank you. That's what I said. I'm like, you will not put me in a box.
0: <laughs> I, I, I love, I love your dog's name, by the way, Chewbacca. Um, I do Thank a Chewbacca m- impression. Maybe we'll have to do it here before the end of the uh, the end of the show. Absolutely. So, Amanda, would you mind telling us a little uh, about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. So, I I'm a single mom. I was not always a single mom. I got married when I was 21 and had my first kiddo when I was 22. And I found myself in a habit of just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. And I had a perfectly fine looking Instagram life, but I was really miserable. And I realized that all the choices that I had made in my life, I was making because I thought I was supposed to make them, but I never really asked myself if that's what I wanted. And so then I went on a journey of finding myself. Because you tend to get lost in motherhood, and I am happier now than I've ever been.
0: That's amazing. Uh, what was a little bit of the of when you said you you went on a journey to you know get where you get where you are now? Tell us a little bit about that journey. What was that process like for you?
1: It started with a question that my sister asked me. She said, I don't think I know what your favorite flower is. What's your favorite flower, sis? And I was totally, my mind was just totally blank. I had no idea. I had no idea what my favorite flower was. And it was just like, that moment was really like the slap in the face that I needed of like how lost I had become in my marriage and In my role as a mom. I didn't know what my favorite flower was. I didn't know what my favorite music was. I didn't like know. I wasn't a person outside of being a wife and a mom that Amanda didn't exist. I was just wife and mom. And so I wasn't able to get that out of my head. And so the first thing I did was I Googled flowers <laughs> to figure out which was my favorite one. It's a peony. And then I right. made a promise to myself that I was going to start taking care of myself, but I didn't really know what that looked like. Okay. Um, and it, so it started with a 30 a day challenge that I did with myself of doing my hair every day. I was like, no messy mom bun. We're going to shower every single day and just do my hair somehow. I had very long hair at that time. So I, I used it as an opportunity to learn how to do a bunch of different like braids and um, just different things to do with my hair. And that in and of itself was such a challenge because I had spent so many years putting myself on the back burner, just doing that was like, Oh my God, this is kind of overwhelming. And I just went from there and it took me five years and there was definitely therapy involved, but I found myself so to speak. But then I found myself at rock hitting rock bottom again. And I was just sobbing to my therapist. And I was just like, it has to be me. Like I am the common denominator in my own life. Like it has to be something that I'm doing, some decision that I'm making where I keep, it just hitting rock bottom over and over again. And she meant it in a very like kind, compassionate way, but she said, I really don't think it's you. You've always made the best decisions you could given the knowledge and tools that you had at the time. I think sometimes suffering just happens in a silo, but that left me feeling so like defeated because it meant that the answer was outside of me. Mm-hmm. Right, like if if all of this stuff is happening outside of my control, that means I'm just at the mercy of all of these circumstances. That just it left me feeling like a victim in my own life. And then I discovered this podcast called "Unfuck Your Brain."
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome
1: by Carl Lowenthal and she's a life coach and it was exactly what I needed. I was like, Oh my goodness. I knew it. I knew I was right. I was the common denominator in my life. My brain is the common denominator in my life. Like, so therapy had gotten me to the point of functioning and taking care of myself and like taking back the control of my life mostly, but life coaching was the next step that I needed.
0: That's amazing. And I think it's important to just let everybody know um, it is if you're ever in therapy and at the end of the process, your therapist, basically you arrive at sometimes you're just a victim. Um, you probably need to have a shift in perspective. It's a hard line to walk, to be compassionate and yet still give agency to the person who's actually, who's actually doing the, uh, doing the suffering and not all therapists have, uh, you know, can can do it clearly yours, uh, yours did not. So uh, good on you. That's absolutely amazing. So how long had you been, let's say unconscious, you know, so you abdicated who you were for the sake of, of mom, wife, you know, social protocols, norms, all that kind of stuff. How long was that period before you had that slap in the face of not even knowing who you were enough to have a favorite flower?
1: Honestly, I feel like once I got married, I mean, I got pregnant pretty much like right after it, it started then. So it was a good like nine years.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And and you got married young and I did. <laughs> and and was that and was that even uh you you mentioned earlier you just felt like you were supposed to do, you know, the the thing was that part of that extension of like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm with this gentleman and I should I should just get married. I'm supposed to this is the next step for me.
1: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We um I was born I was raised in a Christian household. Um and I was with this guy for 2 years and living in sin. And it just got to the point where we were like, I feel really bad about this. So I guess we should just get married.
0: Yeah. makes little was, sense.
1: Yeah. It was a decision made in shame. And so it just produced more shame.
0: Yep. So 30 days of essentially doing your hair, right? Just yeah. that, just that, that minimal basic self-care. Talk a little bit about about the value of, of lowering the bar for yourself when you, when you are taking those early steps towards reclaiming power, self-esteem, or whatever it is.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, Carla Lowenthal, the coach that I mentioned a moment ago, she calls it like the minimum baseline. And it's hard for people who are like high achiever, high achievers and perfectionists. Um, I am a perfectionist. I am a self-proclaimed Hermione Granger. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it was very difficult for me to just set such a meager, pathetic little goal. Um, but I had just reached, such depths of depression and desperation that I was like, got to start somewhere. But she really breaks down like the brain mechanics of it. And it's, it's, it's so much more feasible. If you set a minimum baseline goal, something that you know that you're going to achieve. And then if you go above and beyond it, great. But if you set these huge goals straight out the gate of like, trying to do new things, your brain is wired to keep you safe. So it sees change as a danger. It's just that amygdala lizard brain that we share with animals. It, 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 it'll tell you, no, don't leave the cave because that's dangerous. We're going to die. So you have to work just little steps. Yeah,
0: you got to work. I love the machinery. Is trying to keep you safe in a world that's not trying to kill you. You know? <laughs> it's, yes, it's, yes, exactly. Like, thank you very much. I'm sure this flight or flight uh, fight or flight response was appropriate when I was dodging a saber-toothed tiger. Right. However but now it's- <laughs> The barista, who's a little rude to me in the Starbucks, <laughs> is an inappropriate response pattern, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. But they don't teach us this stuff in school. Like no one teaches us how our brains work. And so we just go through life thinking there's something wrong with us or that like, I'm an asshole or I just can't <laughs> get my shit together or, you know, all these things. And it's like, no, you just don't understand how your brain works. It's okay.
0: Love it, love it, love it. So so if you look at your life, how is what you're doing right now totally different from what you imagined or is actually this what you like what you imagined your life would be?
1: See, I feel like I've lived like three lifetimes already and it some people might see that as like a problem, but I don't. I just have such a different viewpoint now. Like we we're sold this idea that life is is linear and we're all aiming towards this goal of getting a job and doing the same thing for our entire adult lives and living in the same house with the same person. And just like you find something and then you just do that forever until you die. And that's, if you don't do that, then there's something wrong with you. You're broken. Your marriage failed. You failed. You're a failure. And I it's just like, why, why do we accept that? Why do we think that there's one way to do life? So yeah, my, I mean, when I was in college, I was a theater major. I wanted to have my own theater company and be dirt poor and doing great art. Um, and then I got married and had a kid and we moved to Wisconsin. I lived in California. I was born and raised in California. And then I was living the stay-at-home mom life. And now I'm an entrepreneur, a single mom, and like this is not what I dreamed of, but it's so much better
0: let's get that it's like that authentic, more authentic expression of of you in this particular environment, right yeah, you bring yeah. like who you are into it you know i I don't know the answer to to why so many people do the do the uh, this is the way life has to look. However, I suspect that if we t- took a survey of like 10,000 people, the people that have kids, I think there's just something about like the social protocol when it comes to having kids where it immediately triggers like all of these genetic Karmic, like whatever it is, all this, all this information is immediately like tapped in in into human consciousness when you become a parent, when you, when you become a father, when you become a mother, and everybody just gets in their lane. I remember when my wife told me that she was pregnant. Um, it called me, called me at work, and it was immediately where this was. This was not necessarily uh, on the agenda, uh, so to speak. However, you know, we're excited. She asked me. She said, Oh, "Hey, you know this this is happening." I said, "Oh my gosh, okay, good, that's great." Hung up the phone, and I'm like, I was growing a a a young mortgage uh, career at the time, and I immediately went, I now have to make forty contacts per day, like cold calls, and I it just immediately this like thing happened inside me where it was like, I had to then now be superhuman because I was going to be a dad, and so I took that on and then immediately fell on my face and then felt terrible about myself for failing. And the thing that was ridiculous for me to, you know, think that I needed to do to begin with. So, right, you know, and I suspect that there's a lot of it, like a lot of that on, on both sides of the equation, like literally as a, as a young new mom, you abdicated everything about yourself and just threw yourself into the role of, of, of wife and and mother. So when you see it out in the world and people come to you, like, How do you intercede early in the process for other people so they don't have to have a nine-year period where they wake up from?
1: Right, yeah, that's that's exactly why my company exists because once I went through the journey that I went through and, and specifically learned thought work and life coaching, I consider this to be like the key to the universe. And my thought was, I was a staff accountant. I had a very safe, stable job, very respected. Like that was a good job for a single mom to have, right. It's stable. It was for a corporate, like a corporation. Um, and I left it to start this business because I had the thought I would feel really irresponsible if I didn't pass these tools on to my sisters who are still drowning, you know, like, so it's so important to me to, to reach as many women as possible. and, And, you know, like you said, try to intercede when, like when they're first, when they're pregnant with their first baby or before they even get pregnant, you know, like just as early as possible. But at the same time, you have to go through what you need to go through in order to be ready for it. Like if someone had talked to me about life coaching and thought work and all these things, when I was still married, I wasn't ready for it. Then I had to go through what I, what I went through to get to the point where I was ready for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you said that when you entered adulthood, you didn't have a sense of really who you were or, or, or have a particular purpose. Is there more that you want to kind of like expound on that to kind of paint a, you know, paint a picture? Because it's possible that somebody you know, somebody listening to this is, is gonna resonate with that particular, that particular point A, what their story is.
1: Right, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I entered adulthood actually knowing exactly who I thought I was. I thought I was gonna be a theater rat um for life an artist and then that just it changed like like you were saying with you know when you got the news that your wife was pregnant and like something like clicked in your brain of like oh gosh i got to become a real adult <laughs> it, it was the same thing you know it's just like oh this is real okay so i had already been Working as a bookkeeper for my Nana. Um, She had her own accounting business. Actually, she still has her own accounting business at 85. Um, But (laughs) she taught me bookkeeping and I was bored to tears. I was so bored. I was like, this is so boring. (laughs) But it was money, it was stable. I was trying to make myself, you know, like it. And uh, my husband at the time, He is a trust fund baby. So um, his parents eventually got to the point where they were willing to just support us. And I had a really hard time being away from my kid after I had my first kid. I wasn't planning on that, (laughs) but I was just like, if I don't have to leave her and go to work, I really don't want to. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. And I loved being a stay at home mom. And I really I really am so glad that I had that opportunity, but I know that that was a huge part of my drowning as just a person, because that's literally all I did. And I tend to be a person who ties her worth to her productivity or her job. And that was my job. So I made my kids my everything, everything.
0: And did you, did you make peace and take like the good stuff about how present you were able to be for them at that, during that period of their life? You know, while you, while you also just kind of like move past accepted and move past like the, the unconscious component, did you, did you keep the, keep the good stuff as well?
1: Absolutely. I would not trade that time with my kids for anything. It was so hard, but I absolutely love that. I got that time with them.
0: That's awesome. So you, you talked about, you know, your thoughts create our results. Uh, how is that, how does that work for you in in your world? How have, do you, have you used that in your transformation? Uh, and then how do you deploy that with your, with your clients?
1: So there's a lot of different uh, concepts and tools and stuff in life coaching industry. Um, the main tool that I was taught and that I use is the model which is Brooke Castillo's work. Um, and yeah, it's all your thoughts create your feelings, which inspire actions, which produce results. And it just, it just makes life so much clearer to see how I created whatever result that I fi- I'm finding myself in. We, I'm always saying, I'm always telling my clients, you can always see the thought in the result. So if you don't like your result, your thought is in there. So, uh, I don't know. I can't think of a, of a good example right now, but just like when I was, when I was an accountant and I was like thinking about leaving my job and starting this business, just having the thought, cause my brain, my lizard brain, amygdala brain wanted to freak out and be like, this is gonna, we're gonna die. We're all going to end up in a <laughs> van by the river and we're going to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> But just the thought of I can always make a new decision was like kind of what I what I clung on to, because just because you make one decision doesn't mean that that is going to determine the rest of your life. You can always just make a new decision.
0: Love it. So your process have you been kind of a lone wolf in your, in your development? Is this all, uh, other than finding your mentor, obviously, uh, is this all been a solo venture or do you actually have a support group that you, that you kind of mastermind with and, and what's, what does that look like?
1: I absolutely have a support group. Um, so I am in a program, uh, for life coaches and it's, it's just everything that anybody would ever need. It's, a private community, you can go and get coaching because, you know, just because I'm a life coach doesn't mean that I don't have a human brain. You know, the whole point of a life coach is just to uh, show someone their brain and to offer them a different perspective. It's that whole, you can't see the forest for the trees. I still need help. Like with my brain, sometimes I'm caught up, like I'm believing my brain stories. Someone please coach me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. And isn't it always fun, like how clearly other people can see it? And you, <laughs> then I'll speak for I. Then I get a resist. No, I'm not, even though I literally just asked for the, uh, the feedback. <laughs> how, how dare you look right into my soul and tell me what's going on?
1: After I asked you to.
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm leaving. Where have you had to draw on, let's say, like courage? to, do, take the leaps that you've taken to be where you are right now. Would you talk a little bit about like the courage and flexibility and and how that shows showed up for you and how it shows up for your clients?
1: Courage is such a big one. And it just, it looks so different in your mind when you're thinking of what it is going to look like for you to be courageous. You know, it looks kind of like when you're just thinking about it, it looks kind of like Hercules, like you know, all strong, but really like it in reality, it's being scared to death and doing it anyways. And that's the hardest part. And that's the thing that I am having to talk to my clients too, and having to walk them through is just willing to be uncomfortable because we'll do almost anything as humans, just to avoid being uncomfortable. Just think of the conversations that you didn't start or the words you didn't say to someone, how long you've been in a relationship that you know is over just, just to avoid a single moment of feeling uncomfortable. (laughs) So courage, a lot of the times is just being willing to be uncomfortable.
0: That's so, so, so good. What about flexibility? How do you, how does that factor in?
1: Flexibility. That's interesting because it, it absolutely factors in because I can think that, okay, the plan is going to be this and this and this. And it's just like, this is the plan. This is how it's going to happen. But then once I get to the second step of the plan, things aren't really like going the way that I wanted to. And then I can go to my coaching community. I can get coached. I can get different perspectives and I can take those in and be open and flexible or I can like say, no, that's horrible. And it doesn't fit in my plan. Like we absolutely, if you want to grow, you have to be flexible.
0: Yeah. It's almost like the visual I always get is like water, right? Like water. I remember I grew up in the Midwest. We had a gravel driveway a long time ago. You put the hose there and you build your little parts of gravel and the water just kind of flowed to wherever it was easiest to kind of get around. And like flexibility reminds me of that. I know where I'm going I know where I think I'm going, maybe not be so attached to how it's supposed to look along the way.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's such a beautiful image. I love that.
0: So if you were going to share something with someone you know, who was longing to take a risk, maybe they're listening and they be more of, of who they are, maybe they like find that authenticity that you've, that you've tapped into and, you know, they're afraid it's understandable to be, uh, to, to be afraid, um, I don't know how long how long a knowing afraidness put you and kept you in a spot. I can tell you it kept me in a spot for you know for probably four years or so. Uh, more recently, like what would you tell somebody in that space?
1: You have nothing to lose and everything to gain by taking a risk, and you're never stuck. So many people won't make a change because they're scared that that will determine the rest of their life. You know, it's, it's, it's only just one decision out of a a lifetime of how many, just a million decisions, that one decision, it's not going to make or break you because you can always make a new decision. And as far as just having the courage to do it, you just have to remember that feelings are just sensations in your body. Hmm. So something that I do with myself and something that I walk my clients through is, um, when they're feeling really activated, for instance, my client that I was coaching earlier today, she we're working on her and her, her daughter's whining drives her nuts. And uh, doesn't it like, it just drives every parent nuts. Um, yeah, and,
0: it goes right to there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. And so I was just walking her through, like, you're, Like you're so uncomfortable that you're, you're doing anything to like scrape out of your skin because you just don't want to feel the feeling of uncomfortable, but pretend that you're talking to an alien who has no concept of emotions. All they know is physical sensations and describe your discomfort to that alien with just like physical sensations. So for me, if my kid is whining, it feels like my heart is going a little faster. My chest is a little tight and my muscles on my shoulder and my neck tense up and my shoulders go up and that's it. So when you do that, you ground yourself, you get out of lizard brain, who's freaking out because you feel stressed and you're grounding yourself back into your body. Like I've had migraines that are worse than that. And once you realize that, it's like, okay, it's not going to feel great, but I've had a headache that feels worse than that. I can do this.
0: I love that. I think it's amazing. Uh, Do you mind if I, if I borrow and, and, uh, and, you know, let people know that I heard it from the amazing Amanda Haro.
1: (laughs) I'm
0: going to, so I wrote down, so feelings are just sensations in your body, dot, 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 nothing else. And then I also wrote down dot, 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 not truth right and i just think that that's such a you know it's because you're i'm equating this feeling that i'm experiencing to some kind of some kind of thought idea or truth that's that's happening that's producing sensation it's like no it's just a sensation i it's yeah so so so, so good given all of you know your transformation uh, success you've had what is something that you still struggle with
1: i still struggle with believing my brain's stories you know, it's just it that's that's never going to to end me it, like I, I continue to grow. I continue to evolve, And I continue to become a higher level of myself. But that version of myself still has a human brain. I'm just unlocking new sections of it that are going to protest and give me issue, you know, and just to see that that's not a problem. I just have to continue to remind myself, like, it's not a problem that I'm still a human on the human experience.
0: So you give yourself grace in the process to to be a human being.
1: Yeah. I'm not fantastic at it all the time, but I I ultimately always end up back there at grace.
0: Love it. Is there anything Mm -hmm. that you want to touch on that we haven't really spoken about already?
1: I would love to just say that you always have a choice you are never stuck. And life is supposed to be fun. So if you're not enjoying your life, change it.
0: So, so, so inspiring. Uh, Thank you. And and where can people find uh, Amanda Haro?
1: They can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my handle is Fuck It Mothering, but without the U, so it's F C K It Mothering. And then I also have a podcast on most platforms that you can stream a podcast.
0: Awesome! Thank you so so very much for uh, for swinging in and and dropping some knowledge and wisdom bombs on uh, on all of us, Amanda. Uh, appreciate you very much, and look forward to continuing the conversation here at a future date.
1: Absolutely. I had such a great time. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. This has been another episode of the Intentional Soul Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to leave a five-star review if you found this content of value. And as always, I'm your host, Tom Ross, Master Practitioner of the Advanced Rapid Enlightenment Process and Rapid Enlightenment Process developed by Matthew Ferry. You can reach me at Tom at TomRossTalks.com. And the website to engage and be a part of any classes, trainings, or sessions I have going on is www.TomRossTalks.com. Until next time, peace.